Hey, welcome back to the Lighthouse Podcast. We are doing something that we've never done before today. It's very exciting. A couple yes, of exciting is. things. We have live people here with yes, us. Yes, we are in person. Live guests with good friends, Jordan and Mindy. And we are on retreat. Yeah. And we have never, we've talked about it, mm-hmm. but we have never done a podcast while also simultaneously being on retreat. And now having done this and waving oh. my hand over all the equipment, right. you know, maybe we could do this more. I think we should. I think this is going to start yeah. something. But you guys will always be able to say you were the first ones. So Woo-hoo. thanks for taking time out of your of your break time in the afternoon to hang yeah. out with us. We're honored to be the first. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. So, hey, listeners don't know a lot about you guys. Um, we obviously know your full story. Uh, but the listeners uh, don't. So why don't you guys give us just a little bit of history about you guys, um, your family, and your story, your childhood cancer story. Where did that come into the, into the picture? Yeah, absolutely. So we're Jordan and Mindy Linskin. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, Ten years into marriage or so for us, uh, we were parenting two boys and a newborn son uh, and started to have concerns about our second born, who was basically two, almost three at the time. Um, And so Mindy had this incredible mom's discernment, Holy Spirit discernment kick in and say, something's not wrong with our son and his name's Brody. Not Uh, right, something's not right. Something's not right, correct. So um, I was honestly trying to stay optimistic and hope for the best and life was busy. We had this, you know, newborn with us and uh, we had already gone through some other challenges the year prior. But um, she stayed on it. We brought him to the doctor at our well child visits for like our newborn. We're saying, hey, would you check out our second born? Something seems off. And we were just given the cold shoulder time and time again for about a month. Uh, we pushed the envelope, had blood tests done. We went to uh, get scans at a local hospital and nothing was showing like evidence of disease. Uh, but she was like, mm, nope, something's still wrong. And so from there, maybe you can continue of like, we had a very busy uh, February, 2015, and then uh, tried to celebrate our oldest five-year-old birthday. But all the while we were looking over our shoulder and our little guy in the stroller was just struggling. And we knew something was really wrong. So we started to get a pit in our stomach. Well, his um, one side of his neck was bigger than the other side. And I'm not medical, but I am logical. And <laughs> yeah, that's you have nice. swollen lymph nodes and only one side is swollen and the other side isn't. And all the doctors say is fine. I just had this feeling that it wasn't fine. Um, so we texted a picture to a, another friend of ours, not necessarily a local medical provider, but just somebody in the medical field. And she's like, I am very concerned about that. Actually, she was worried about it obstructing his airways because his neck was so large on one side. She's like, you need to get up to Denver Children's Hospital. That's more of a legit, you know, medical community than where we live. So the next day we went up to um, Denver Children's and within hours, they were like, your son is very far along in stage three, Um, lymphoma, a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's called anaplastic large cell lymphoma. And we were completely shocked. And she said if we had not brought him up there, he would have died in two weeks. And so we were walking the very (laughs) fragile path of trusting our local providers when, in fact, they had missed everything. They just didn't um, read the scans correctly and thought it was infection versus solid, which it was absolutely solid. So thankfully for some great medical providers in Denver, we 
we were able to catch it before he passed away and we began our cancer journey which um was not easy because like he said we had a newborn as well so we ended up giving our newborn over to some friends to care for the newborn for essentially 15 months on and off where we would give him up and take him back give him up take him back because it was so critical what type of um you know the treatment for our son's plan was not like a three-year long low and slow mm-hmm. it was a hot and heavy it was like an intense yeah. you're in treatment you're in the the hospital the majority of time so um thankfully we are past that journey now we've been married i would say almost 20 years now and brody is seven years cancer free yeah. which is oh, awesome but it. not a day goes by that we haven't you know remembered that season because yeah. it marks your family and in good and bad ways it marks your family but we um we would say we wouldn't have wanted it any other way because we are better family because of those experiences however it's always the club that you don't want to be a part of right right right. but it's um but it's really rewarding also to be on the other side now and help families that were like ours just in the thick of that trauma i mean it really is trauma and and it does like you we were talking about earlier it does bubble up later even Mm -hmm. um years later it can bubble up but i see it more in those moments with siblings that were were maybe just we didn't maybe talk through all of the stuff that we went through at that time because it's survival Mm -hmm. it's literally just like let's survive today but then five years later you see oh maybe we're dealing with something that we never talked about five years ago so we we see that a little bit woven into our journey as well um but it's part of why we love to come back and serve at lighthouse so now for people that aren't familiar with us we love to come back and volunteer because it's a way to continually um kind of like shape the story with our kids instead of just letting it be written for them Mm -hmm. we're kind of like let's let's shape their story let's actually come alongside and be like what happened to us was terrible but it's really not the end of the world yeah like like there are other people that we get to carry now too and isn't that a neat um turn of events where you take something bad and turn it into something good and I mean that's literally how the the Bible story is intended to unfold anyways you take something bad and you turn it you know beauty for ashes and all of that but um, I think it's important that parents are very intentional that when things do pop up that you pause you listen and you lean in and you don't skirt over it too quickly um, and then finding ways that you can absolutely shape because you do have a little bit of control of the dialogue you know you have control of how it turns out and so so whether or not you know Brody would have survived I mean both uh, both outcomes have a very different different trajectory right but but what we determined in our heart was like okay whatever happens like we want to still be able to come alongside our kids and explain the narrative of god's support and god's love for us and the eternal life plan you know um so like i said it's it's one thing to walk through tragedy and then just be like that was awful versus hey let's shape what's going on now for like going forward so um we we're you know in the seven year post had another kid so we have four total we're done having kids (laughs) but um but you know it's really cool to talk a lot though about not just cancer but you know they go to school with kids that have 
um, different autoimmune disease or, you know, that aren't like them or have special needs. And I think all of those stories are something that's not part of that family's original plan. But like, you know, we're like, hey, even though ours happen to be cancer, like they can relate to those stories more because they're like pain is pain. Mm -hmm. You know, like let's just all enter into the fact that like we all have pain and we got to kind of determine how are we going to approach that pain. Yeah. Are we going to love each other and support each other throughout that pain, or are we going to just ignore it? And we can't ignore it. I mean, you know what happens. It turns into a lot more than that. But. Well, and I think it's such a great gift um, for our kids to have empathy in just a different way. Because I remember my kids, you know, our kids were both very little when this yeah. happened. And so it's a different thing explaining it to a small child than when they get older. But I remember looking at other families and being like, you know, your friend Caroline, she has this. And your friend John has diabetes. And that's what this means. And this is what we have. Yeah. And, and trying to point out to them that everybody's dealing with something Mm -hmm. and it's kind of putting the focus more on somebody else um and i also loved what you said about your story i remember my one of my first cognitive like thoughts when carter's diagnosis i don't want this to be our story like Mm -hmm. i don't want our story to be this big sad dark thing and it took a while but i think when you realize when you kind of get your bearings a little bit and realize okay you don't can't control this over here but there is this thing you can control so take that part instead of worrying about the part you can't because you can't Right. We we talked with a friend over the weekend, like your mess can become your message. And leaning into that, you know, of turning it on its head in a way. And as Christ followers, we think it's very kingdom oriented or kingdom like to say, like, how do we take the hardships of this world that it throws at us and say, hey, in spite of that, like our story isn't perfect on the surface, even after we got the five year Mm -hmm. clearance, like stuff has come up. I, I developed an autoimmune disease challenge in 2020. The best thing I can relate it to is the trauma and the hardship of the journey we went through over the previous five years, you know? So it's like, it's not all smooth sailing, but um, we have just decided in our hearts, like we're gonna be proactive with this with our kids and how we look at it and how we try to, you know, reframe what happened, reframe the situation. Take it back, um, because that was a pretty dramatic story. Um, Take it back to the the night or the day, right? You're in and you get the news when you go to, is it Denver Children's? And it's like, hey, within two, if it would have been within two weeks, like you get that news. Like, where does, where's your heart go? Where's your mind go? And what are the next steps? Like, what, what's the mode you went into? It's definitely a fight or flight mode, like felt guarded and had to advocate very strongly because we felt like months of no one's listening mm-hmm. and and a little more detail we had to go to the er just as like general family here with a problem and it actually took about four days before we got the clarity wow. of uh oh no actually the scan you got at that other hospital and the scan we just took they look exactly the same but we're sorry to tell you they misinformed you and it's actually an issue that we need to do a biopsy on so um, you know, that was going on. We did the biopsy on my 33rd birthday, uh, which was not fun. You know, she had another big life challenge on her 33rd the year before. So all of a sudden, you're just feeling really like, okay, we were thankful that family was there with us, but we're like, something is really wrong. So your natural, emotional, and even physical tendency yeah. is like to kind of close up and then also be on the on, kind of well, a fight. I think we're on the defense because yeah. we're like, wait, all the professionals that we trusted we're wrong and you're telling us completely something totally different you know when everybody else was like this is just an infection and so you feel almost crazy you feel like am i crazy to keep asking questions but like his neck is just getting bigger and bigger so like can someone please tell me what's going on so we did all the antibiotics and yada yada i would say the day we found out though we had different responses 
Jordan, I still remember him just literally sobbing. Like, I think he was, like, not in belief that mm-hmm. yeah. anything was wrong. And he was like, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's going to be fine. Then they tell us, like, your son has a very small chance of living. And he just, like, broke. It was yeah. like when he finally believed that there was something wrong, he just started sobbing. And I'd never seen my husband cry like that. I was like, oh, my gosh. So then I'll tell you, for me, because I knew something was wrong, I felt kind of like, finally, somebody's validating my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's going to plan. I, I was like, something. so I was kind of actually piss off because I was like why did I have to fight so hard to get an actual resolution here um so I was more upset not like obviously with my son or anything I was just upset that I I was like it shouldn't be this hard to get some sort of information Mm -hmm. I'm like we live in uh, America you know what I mean like I'm just like it's not like some country that's hard to get medical help I mean we and we had insurance and we're like okay if we're bringing our son to you wouldn't you think we'd have better options than this so I was just upset I would say with that at first, that first day of diagnosis, and he was just coming to terms with the fact that that's reality, where I felt like I knew it was a reality all along. Um, And then I'll be totally transparent with the listeners. That first night when we were transferred to the oncology floor, which felt like a movie like I literally felt like we were I can still I was like watching myself in third person almost walking onto the floor seeing all these little bald kids and going like oh my gosh is this really like my reality like is this my life walked into my room we got settled and and it was like it was just an hour before shift change so it was like after dinner you know it's kind of the sun had already gone down and we get Brody to bed I don't remember where you are. I started having a panic attack. Mm. I'd never had a panic attack in my life. So, I mean, just for people listening, this might be like, oh, my gosh, somebody else. I'm not the only one. But I I felt like I couldn't breathe. Like, there was, like, chest pressure. And I remember just, like, pacing. And, Mm. like, I, I don't. It was kind of an out-of-body experience, but that's what they explain panic attacks. I just realized I have absolutely no control of what happens to my child. And that was, like, the first in my life where I'd ever felt completely out of control. Where normally you feel like you have somewhat control. Like, oh, what they can eat or who's going to watch them when I go to work or whatever. But I literally was like, oh, my gosh, I have absolutely no control. And that began a very awesome life journey, whether I like it or not, of just remembering that I'm actually I've never been in control yeah like I thought I was until that moment and I had this huge panic attack I mean the nurse literally came in and saw me pacing and I remember her sitting with me going like we might have to admit you and I was like oh my god I can't be admitted I gotta be here for Brody you know so I was just when she told me that she might have to admit me I think it snapped me out of it and I then pulled myself together but I was literally I couldn't breathe um but I had a very that was the beginning of a long lots of your journey to realize no matter who my kids are whether they have a disease or not I actually am never truly in control of them I mean any one of us a kid uh, one of our kids could die today and parents with kids with cancer I think we are always like oh my gosh my kid could die my kid could die yes but you know what I want to say to any parent listening to this something could happen to any one of your kids on a bike accident or you know there's pools and people drown every year I mean there are so many tragic accidents so we need to remember like actually we're going to do the best we can Mm -hmm. and then we have to trust God with the rest because we're really not in control 
Like, yeah. I mean, we are not in control. But it took me a very long time to get to that moment. But I've had to release my children to the Lord, like, multiple times and say, you know, hit the outcome of what their life turns out to be yeah. is going to be his provision and my best. Like, I will give my best, but the rest is, like, his provision. And then they have choices, too, you know. Yeah. So for, think, any, for any one of us, yeah. right? Yes. Um, if we can go and start thinking about all the bad things that could happen for the rest of the day today. Totally. That you're choosing to live in fear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like so we were talking about making a different choice. Um, because the reality is, you live in that circle, it's going to be a hard one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a hard one because you're just hearing a downhill spiral, you know? Yeah. And I love what you guys shared that because um, it's it's so real that you're both going to respond and react different, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that a lot of times we expect that our spouse should be reacting the very same way that we are. Uh, and we're different people and mm-hmm. you guys handled that moment and probably a lot of other things throughout treatment right very differently than than uh, than each other and that's okay mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that for sure. right for sure. uh, and i and i think that's good for for oh, we, to hear that we were very different throughout treatment like jordan could not wait until he could leave like he did not want to be in the hospital at all he wanted to go on a run or get out of there. I mean, it just felt like a loony bin to him, you know, which I understand. You know, like night and day, all just run together. Yes. Fast forward, we spent 60 nights in the same hospital. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, a lot. So, um, and in a row. They were 60 yeah. in a row, so you, you do yeah, start to feel a yeah. little bit, you know. Um, yeah. And then we went back several times, but they were more like shorter stays. Sure. Um, but for me, I couldn't imagine leaving my child. I was like, so there was some, you know tension between us because sure. I was like you wait you want to leave and I want to stay right. what in the world so okay I guess I'll just stay here because I'm the only, you know so there's a lot of banter that can happen yeah. between the spouses as you handle things differently but good words yes. good word yeah. banter banter and but then we got some some good help too like we got some counseling the both of us and and one of my favorite uh, and we're people. not fans of counseling right but we're fans of great counseling great counseling <laughs> I know. He's like, great counseling can really... But we had a, a life coach situation that we were working with, and, and we really love life coaching because it's a little bit more forward-facing instead of going back through all of... We've done a lot of counseling, too. There's a good place for it. But once you get to the part that you're like, okay, we've forgiven, we've kind of worked through our right. stuff, I love sitting with a life coach that kind of says, okay, well, what are some of the things in friction right now to help you guys go forward? So one of our best... Um, kind of reminders from a life coach was we're not trying to make each other like each other we actually she says to us all the time i want to make you more you ear like you yeah, yeah. need to be better versions of yourself like yes. you so she's like no i want you to be more you ear not like your spouse and so when we can appreciate the you-iness of each other like yeah. i'm like oh i see what's really cool about jordan and what's bringing him awesome and like he can see that about me we actually really like jive better yeah. rather than trying 100%. to make each other more like ourselves you yeah. know so Yui that's and Yui-ness. Yui-ness. those are great Yui-ness. words you ear you ear she's in a you ear and you you yeah you just she just really hits it and then talks about like okay those those are really advantages to your relationship because if it wasn't if he wasn't like this you'd miss out on whatever and if i wasn't like this i'd miss out on or he'd miss out i mean we just we bring we're like totally opposite personalities but we, it works. It works. Because, like, God's design is so interesting. You yeah. know, what brings you together sometimes is like, oh, this actually is a compliment, you know. But do you want to share what we um, share with couples on the last day of retreat? Yeah, we're really honored to 
rub shoulders with a lot of families at retreats and hear their story, share part of our journey, and then what has helped us continue to find hope. Um, so, you know, we were sitting with a, a group a couple years ago, and one of the families uh, from the South, they were basically saying, we, we did not have a perfect story. Uh, there were struggles, addictions, other things that flared up, like trying to cope through the whole journey. Let's just call it out. Coping is like a reality for everybody yeah. in their journey as a parent. So, man, that's a whole other podcast. But the, um, the thing that they said that just rocks us, they're like, we got to this point where fear kept telling us, like, what if? What if this happens to yeah. our kid? What if? What if they die? What if the worst case scenario happens? And they said, we realized that fear was telling us what if, but faith tells us even if. Even if things go wrong. Even if this doesn't work out. Even if the treatment doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, that deeper faith, that deeper hope in God is what really helped them. And that just blew us away. And it's yeah. what we've shared with so many other families because it kind of summarizes the whole story. Yeah. And um, you know, when we heard Brody's diagnosis, um, the key thing that I was prompted in my heart and my spirit to share is like, I had to tell um, my team lead at the time with work, like, how am I gonna phrase this? Like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna put this in perspective? And when I called him, I said, hey, um, our son Brody has cancer for now. And the reason I said it that way was like, I didn't know at that moment, it felt so heavy. It felt so weighty, like the biggest burden we've ever journeyed through so far. And when I said that, I meant it twofold. I didn't know if he was gonna live. I didn't know if the chemo was gonna work. But what I did know is that what Jesus had done for Brody, cancer can't take that away, whether he lived or died, mm-hmm. just in blunt terms. And so that for now is the here and now. Yeah. Um, but we are so grateful to God. We've seen his faithfulness in our lives before we had children, during our early years of marriage, and through all of this journey. We just know he is faithful. He is worthy of our trust. So with that, um, we said that in faith. and. I am absolutely like beyond grateful to God because um, that that reassured me more of like, hey, of course we want him to live, of course we want him to thrive, and we want to see his children. And that was my dad's big prayer. Like, I want to see my grandchildren, my lineage, my heritage, you know, continue through Brody. He would pray that every time he came to the hospital room, he'd ask that he got to see Brody, um, and he would see Brody's children. He was like, yeah. I want to meet my grandchildren. Yeah. I mean, it was just the sweetest thing. So um, that reassurance has been the biggest thing for me yeah you know of like it doesn't always turn out perfect the people who told us about lighthouses this incredible strong family from colorado springs and they're like yeah you're gonna sign up for this thing it's great just get down there and go get on the list and so we went with that and we came down you know years ago i literally had no idea what we were in for Hmm. but i just heard from them it was good yeah um that family we love them so much incredible parents but same school same town same hospital same timeline same a lot of things same jesus but their son unfortunately passed on Mm -hmm. um and went to be with god you know and is in a much better state than all of us but um that was the hard part um to know like it doesn't always make sense like in a fallen world in the here and now but the hope or the deeper part that's helped me through the sustaining of it was like you know what this is temporary one way or another and that's easy to say but that's what I had to force myself to remind myself of the truth, of the bigger picture of what was at hand. When you guys, it would, it's, I, you mentioned this, and I just, I couldn't grasp it, Crispy. I, you've been in the journey, and you had younger Bo when mm-hmm. you're in it. But yeah. the thought when you said that for 15 months you basically just passed on 
your youngest while you were going through this because it, you you was so immersive, right? Yeah, well, it was so much time and patient, and they didn't want you know other siblings in the hospital room during treatment. Yeah, and so yeah, we are so thankful for our church community because they kind of raised our newborn and our five year old. Yeah, <laughs> like the the first and the third because we were in there with our second. So um, the five year old, you know, was having a pretty decent time because he was with people he knew. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, the newborn. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's sad and funny. Okay. There's not going to have to laugh. Yeah, there's no. Like, like I would say, right. the fun part is that he is he's never met a stranger. Like yeah. he can go hang out with anybody. I could plop him. In, I always say I could plop you down in any airport in the world, and you would find your way home. Like you would wow. meet some yeah. worker, and you would network your way over here. Yeah. I mean, the, the kid is so so capable. I mean, it's probably set him up for life really well. Yeah. But the sad part is. Um, you know, I don't feel like he attached as much as possibly the others, you know, yeah. um, and especially with the sibling that was in the hospital, like they're two years apart and there's just still tension to this day. I mean, yeah. we're still working on it and trying to figure it out, but, um, you know, they didn't really have that bonding time at all. Mm -hmm. So when my second, the cancer child came home from the hospital, it's kind of like, who's this person that's a year and a half old and in my life, yeah. I don't really want to be around him. <laughs> right. You know, I've had all the attention in the world. And then the year and a half old one going like, oh, yeah, a friend. But the friend has no interest in him, yeah. you know. So it's it's probably, I would say, currently um, our toughest situation that we're dealing with right now as a family. Sorry, so, sure. that's, um, you know, we're working on it. And those two... We're just we're believing and praying and yeah. supporting yeah. as much as we can. But like like I said, there's so many layers of after effect from sure. from those instances that you couldn't really change those circumstances. But uh, we're, we know they're supposed to be in our family, so we're like, okay, how do we make this work? I go back all the time. I still do. My kids are much older now, 23, 21, and 19. And there's there's still times that things come up, and I just I have this thing. I just say because I'll I'll still feel mom guilt like. I have grown-ups, and I still feel, and I'm just, I just always say I did the best I could with what I had at the time. I did right. the best I could with what I had at the time. Yeah. Right. Because it is still so hard. Like, I still look at my 23-year-old, and I still see an 8-year-old, mm -hmm. you know, in his face. And he, we've had some really hard conversations since where he's been really gracious and, like, forgiving, but it's still even hard to hear him say that he forgives, you know, I don't even know how to describe that. That makes me feel bad. Like there was something I needed forgiveness for, you like, know, why did so, that come to that point? Right. And so I still like, I try to say to myself what I would say to someone else, because for a while I just felt awful about it. Now I try and say you did the best you could with what right. you had at the time. Like I would do it differently now, but now I'm much older and I've been through the whole kind of journey. Yeah. There were, there were a couple of principles that people advised us on. One was like an older couple in our church. Mm -hmm. The wife had gone through breast cancer, survived by God's grace. But they're like, uh, have grace for yourselves first and for each other. And then if people offer to help you and they're basically yeah. a normal person and not in it for weird reasons, say yes. Yeah. And like, and we're, by God's grace, very capable, driven people and do a lot. But uh, that was really hard to cope with. Too. I mean, the, like, the types of things that we said yes to were like, somebody said to me, I was in the hospital and they're like, your five-year-old really needs a haircut. And I was like, okay, I didn't even think about my son's haircut. And so she's like, do you care if I take him to get a haircut today? I was like, totally fine. Our dog. Um, our dog 
kneecap broke. I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but they like took the dog, they paid for the dog surgery, and they nursed the dog back oh to health. Oh, like some people that we don't even like, we didn't even know. We're close friends now, but yeah. at the time we, we didn't even know each other. So and then somebody else was like, "Hey, your yard's like getting out of control. Can we mow your yard?" And I was like, "Sure, I'm not even there. I don't even know what it looks like." Right. You know? Your driveway needs to be resurfaced, which was on my mind in the hospital, but it's the last thing I right. you know take care of. Right. Like we just had some people, people step in and some very practical mm-hmm. things that I wasn't even thinking of. But I want to circle back really quick because um, when you said you're doing the best you can, so one of the coolest books I ever read was by Brene Brown, and she was talking about how a 10-year study she did for what made people happy, like what mm-hmm. what was a common thread of the happiest people. And so she said after 10 years of researching, they were you know a variety of people from being victims of stuff to having gone through trauma to whatever and some people just like normal no experiences that were bad but maybe they weren't unhappy or happy or whatever and she just surveyed a whole bunch of people and the common thing that they had in common was that um that they assumed everyone was doing their best so whether that was a parent that abused them or whatever if they were happy in this life she's like how are you happy you know and they just the only common denominator is that they assumed everyone was doing their best so I try to teach that to my kids now it's like hey if a friend hurts you at school I'm like they're probably just doing their best like and same for me if I mess up I'm like you guys I'm so sorry I was just doing my best like so trying to get that verbiage in their mind to just if you constantly look at life and you instead of being offended or hurt or whatever if you can look at those people especially I think about families walking through childhood cancer and it's like the relationships that change and get hard and all those dynamics if you can if you can just at least protect your heart you don't necessarily need to stay in relationship with them I'm not saying anything like that I'm right. just saying to make yourself not become bitter and resent resentful and all of those things that really do change your health but if you can assume that all the people around you are just doing their best I do think that you're going to have a healthier and a happier family unit back at home and that's something you can have an impact on mm-hmm. What a gift you're teaching that to your kids now. Because I was very old when I started thinking, you know, I was just an adult when I started thinking that way. Mm-hmm. That's a gift to teach them that yeah. when they're young. Um, hey, before we wrap up, one, what's one or one or two just big nuggets for you when you think back and look back to that journey that um, a mom or dad, if they hear this right now, it's gonna, it's really gonna help them get through. Maybe it's the next two weeks. Maybe it's the next six months. Mm-hmm. What 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 could you guys imparting some wisdom? Yeah, uh, on a family going through it. I think a really practical thing is um, to see if there is a church community, whether you go to a church or not. And if you don't, maybe try to find a church community because I know they are totally willing to help and ask for help. Because I think that a lot of people walk this alone and isolated. And there's people, and they could even be your next door neighbors, that want to help you. They just don't know how. I think most humans don't know what to say to a family that has childhood cancer. 100%. And we can't be, like, expecting them to know. I mean, right. how would, I wouldn't have known before no. I had a child with cancer. And so I would just say, instead of expecting people to know how to respond or help, ask like that is my number yeah. one thing is just ask for help so like I said I we asked in our church community because mm-hmm. they are the closest people in network that we have but like I said if you don't have a church community maybe you could find one or your neighbors 
but just ask because like I said it's a really um intimidating subject for people to come in and join and they don't know how to they're like I don't know if they especially after COVID you know it's like oh maybe they don't want us by them and maybe they don't want us no I I mean you need the help I would just say everybody listening needs help right um and so ask for the help find people to ask and I know it's uncomfortable but definitely I would say ask yeah and if you're not on on that I just made me think when you were talking about it maybe you're not a churchgoer and maybe you're pushing back and you're just even got an arm like yeah church is not my thing yeah in this season why not try it yeah and then when you're done with yeah. journey, don't then do don't go back right yeah find try it just yeah. find somewhere and try it out and see and if say, you can I need get help. yeah and just get some help get someone that some people like will pour into you and and then and then when you're through it then make the decision where you want to keep going or not right right but definitely, if you don't have that circle, that's a great place to get a circle because a lot of churches will come around you and help. And I then, agree. And then when you're on the other side of the journey, if you don't want to keep going, then don't, don't yeah. keep going. Yeah, but I would say, like, realize that right now you're in a season that you yeah, need it. That's yeah. right. You need it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll share something real practical and simple, but um, John Eldridge from All That Heart says this thing, touch and smell something real every day. Hmm. And this applies for the person working remotely at home and they've never had cancer in their life or the dad or mom who's been in the hospital locked up or going to treatment nonstop. We live in such a digital, like screen-driven world. Mm-hmm. And when you're helping your child through a medical like emergency, that's part of, you don't get to do what you want. Right. But don't underestimate the power of like taking care of yourself in ways, in small ways when you can. And even like, I'd go outside and I'd grab a pine needle off a tree and smell, smell it, it and ground myself and remind myself like there is more in this moment of history than what we feel and see right here right now mm-hmm. um so just those simple things of like you know trying to stay grounded and coping in the middle of it yeah. um yeah and then just and also for others just be sensitive like dads in the journey um or father they they're carrying a lot more than which you often can see on the surface yeah. and so if they seem angry or whatever they might be just really sad yeah. on the inside so just being like mindful sensitive ask it's good ask appropriate good questions etc you know and, and you're not saying that they carry more than the mom you're yeah. just saying yeah. it's more <laughs> maybe just clarify no I just want to make sure <laughs> they might be carrying more internally yeah. yes yeah. Not more than, than what you visually yeah. see yeah. yeah not carrying more but they just yeah. carry more inside and you don't know all the things going on in there and there's a lot of mixture on um, the delivery of an emotion, like you said, it, it's like it could come across this way, but truly what's inside is totally different. Yeah. Um, so I think that's good to talk through, even if it's just with your spouse. Like, yeah. hey, what's your, re- I know you're coming across really upset right now, but like, are you are you truly mad or are you sad? Yeah. You know, um, and talking through it. And so if you have a friend going through this, maybe invite him for a cup of coffee and go on a walk outside or like, you know, Get get him out of his environment if that's yeah. something that works for him. Yeah. But those are, those are a few nuggets. Things that get us. Yeah. Friends, it was so good to see. First of all, to see you in person, yeah. and to sit down and talk to you in person is a huge treat because you live so far away. Yep. But also, thanks for being on our first ever retreat podcast. Retreat podcast. I mean, on, this could be a thing. And you'll always be the first. That's right. So, and thank, thank you for you all your me. words of wisdom. Yeah. yeah. We love you guys. Thanks for for, uh, for saying yes. Well, we are honored to be a part of the Lighthouse community. We love coming down here. We love that things are starting in Colorado as well, too. Yes. Encourage anybody that's somewhat interested, get involved. You're going to love it. Yeah.